High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. This morning we're going to deal with a subject we haven't dealt with before and that may seem a little perhaps irrelevant to our daily lives. But when we go into the issue, it will become more apparent that there are some distinct dangers that lie in it. We'll be looking at the General Intelligence Amendment, the Laws Amendment Bill, of 2023. And basically the bill is going to deal with or intends to deal with our security services, that is the intelligence services who consider and and look at and investigate threats, both domestic threats and external threats to the country. So in other words, it deals with our spooks and our spies. I'm very pleased to have with me to talk about this Heidi Swart, who is an investigative journalist who has reported on surveillance and intelligence matters for close to a decade. She's currently the research and jo- journalism coordinator for Intel Watch, a non-profit organization based in South Africa and dedicated to strengthening public oversight of state and private intelligent actors in Africa and around the world. Uh, Heidi, welcome to HiFM to the IRR show. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. The intelligence services in this country have had a very rocky reputation and have been very much part of the state capture scenario. What is this proposed legislation intended to do and to what extent might it make prevent that situation or make it less common? What emerged uh, during the Sondo Commission into state capture was that there were a number of issues plaguing the state security agency, which is our primary intelligence security body. One of that was that the secret operations funds were looted. The other aspect that emerged was that there was very little operational transparency. So, for example, our joint parliament committee on intelligence did not uh, have a full view of what the organization was actually doing. Mm -hmm. And the auditor general, for instance, couldn't really audit the books because uh, the stuff that he needed to look at was, you know, is usually classified uh, and then he doesn't have access to it. So they kept on getting qualified audits. We also learned that they infiltrated nonprofit organizations Legally, they created projects to either infiltrate or uh, have surveillance over different uh, non-profits that were sort of a thorn in their side. And all of this was going on for many, many years. They were basically, you know, having a free-for-all. There was very little that our external oversight folks could do whilst the whole state capture uh, process was going on and indeed the entire uh, organization was captured and Judge Zondo even found that the capture of the state security agency actually opened the way for larger state capture because at the onset of state capture, folks like Mo Sheikh, who was, he was the director general of foreign intelligence, for example, he wanted to investigate the Guptas and that was shut down and he and uh, the former head of the SSA as well as the head of uh, Domestic intelligence had then eventually had to resign if he was in foreign or domestic. Anyway, so, but the point is those guys that wanted to investigate uh, the Guptas were shown the door. So very serious, really, what happened there. And what we were hoping this new bill would do was to correct many of these wrongs. For one, we were hoping that it would take the laws that allow the state security agencies to spend you know, willy-nilly and do what they want to with those secret budgets that don't even get properly audited. We were hoping that this General Intelligence Laws Amendment Bill would alter that, would give it more accountability and would allow the auditor, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to take a, to look at all the documents he or she would need. 
to conduct an audit. We were hoping that it would strengthen the hand of the Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence, that would, again, the parliamentary body uh, that mm. has to hold intelligence services to account. We were also hoping that it would strengthen the Inspector General of Intelligence, which is the, the office where the public can actually go if they feel that the um, the state security agency has wronged them or perhaps has intercepted their communications. Another thing that we were hoping that would happen was that the government's uh, bulk surveillance um, facilities, which is the National Communications Centre, that that would be properly legislated. We had a court case 2021 where the Concord ruled that the current laws that govern how the police and intelligence services can eavesdrop on your conversations just aren't good enough and that they need to be better in various ways. So, for instance, the law needs to be changed so that now uh, a person who was surveilled uh, is notified after the case is closed, basically, or after it's, it can no longer harm the case. You have to tell that person, look, we pulled your phone records or we were listening to your calls. Also, they have to make sure that the judge is independent. You can't just have a judge that's appointed by a minister here or, you know, a director general there. Mm. There must be multiple uh, um, bodies appointing the judge and so forth. And there were also, for example, special uh, protections for journalists and um uh, as well as uh, lawyers, because we know this the whole case came about uh, because uh, a journalist was actually being eavesdropped upon while he was talking in confidence with a lawyer who was sourced. Mm. So we were hoping that, that some major changes had to happen there. Uh, and instead, all the uh, new intelligence amendment does is to say, okay, we're having a national communication center. Uh, one judge is going to oversee that, and that judge is appointed by the president. So it's a very, very small sort of a short uh, picking order there. And, um, you know, the whole issue, and this is, and this actually brings us to one thing that the bill does do correctly, is it says, look, what we're going to do is we're going to take the state security agencies and we're going to break it into different bodies. We're going to have one department that deals with foreign intelligence. We're going to have one department that deals with domestic intelligence. We're going to have an academy, uh, you know, a separate academy for uh, training our intelligence officers. We're going to have our national communication center, etc. Can mm-hmm. I just ask you before, just before you go on, I mean, the importance of this is that currently the security services are all in the office of the president. Yes. So here's the thing. Right. So going all the way back to 2009, what President Jacob Zuma did is he made a unilateral, uh, then President Jacob Zuma did is he made a unilateral decision uh, and proclaimed that all these separate bits and pieces, that uh, these departments of our intelligence services were going to be amalgamated into one, mm-hmm. right? And then that meant there was one director general who was in charge of the, of the accounts of the money. And mm-hmm. that director general reported to the minister and then the minister reported to the president. And we all know that the ministers were in the end in cahoots with the president. So again, a very short line of reporting. Now we still have that structure. It's we, this bill hasn't passed through yet. So you still have one big state security agency with, but that has been moved into the presidency. So basically president Ramaphosa now has control over the agency. What this bill will do is once it splits the agency into its components, once more, um, that will hopefully dilute authority and that will also mean that different persons and different departments are in charge of the money. Mm. Uh, and hopefully also what this bill also envisions is for the state intelligence agencies to move out of the presidency because it does talk about a minister. So we're hoping that that will happen.
But right now, as things stand right now, to have a, an amalgamated state security agency within the presidency is a bit of a worst case scenario. Mm, mm. And, but how, this bill, at, at, the, at least, there are many things wrong with the bill, but at least it aims to fix this. You know, uh, yeah. getting it out of the presidency, getting it into its own uh, ministry, and then within the ministry, splitting it into the separate departments. Right. I'm coming new to this uh, piece of legislation, but just looking at some of the problems of the bill, I may be jumping a bit ahead, but is to look at the aspect that people should actually be concerned about in ordinary people like you and me and our listeners, and that is that there is an obligation in the draft for NGOs and religious organizations to vet their staff, which I presume means to have them vetted by the relevant security agency. I mean, this would, would completely, uh, if I'm understanding correctly, this would be, it could be for, for myself as members of the IRR or for yourself as Intel what, and, mm. and in case of our listeners with any of the Jewish organizations, religious or otherwise, because they're either NPOs or they're religious organizations. Yes, well, this is the danger with the current wording of the bill. So the bill currently, in its current form, states that persons wishing to establish or operate a non-governmental organization or religious institution, later it talks about churches, but the first bit says religious institution, will have to, must be vetted must. Uh, by intelligence services. So, And they explicitly changed the word may to must. must. So oh. this is... It's problematic. It's obviously, it, it would be incredibly uh, problematic because in a worst case scenario, if that would mean that every, because they use the word operating, not mm. just establishing a new organization, the word it's operating an is, mm. is also, so one could read that as existing. And then coupled with the, you know, the possibility then that it might be mandatory means that every single organization and every single church will go onto a list mm. to be vetted and eventually your turn will come up. Mm. So in terms of practicalities, the state security agency is responsible for vetting. Vetting is, and they are the only folks. Mm-hmm. Vetting is originally meant to make sure that a person or an organization um, or, or a contractor working for the government being in contact with sensitive information, classified information, or national key points, mm. that those people aren't what you would call security threats. Yes. In other yeah. words, they must not be in a position where they can be blackmailed or bribed. So to find out about this, they need to look at your, you know, your personal life. They want to know if you're deeply in debt because then you can be paid off. They want to know if you're having an affair because then you can be paid off. They want to know if you have a massive health problem that's costing you a fortune every month uh, because, again, then you might be, you know, vulnerable to being bribed. And to find that out, they really have far-reaching powers. They can look at your financial records, your health records, and, in fact, any relevant information that they think um, that they think they will need to determine if you're a threat or not. Mm. And it's a very tedious process. Uh, it's a very specific process for a very specific purpose. Mm. And they are very much behind. In They have a huge vetting b- backlog. I mean, earlier this year in April 2023, the parliamentary members who are supposed to be on the Oversight Committee for Intelligence hadn't all been vetted and the committee couldn't move forward. Mm. That, that's how bad it is. Mm. So, so the point is then that if they're not, they may not be able to vet everybody. But what will happen is that they will be able to say out of the blue, oh, okay, but you're next on the list for being vetted. And then added to that, even if the bill didn't say that vetting was 
compulsory, they could make up any reason for betting you. Mm-hmm. They could say, well, we, we're doing, we've done an investigation. It's not compulsory, but okay, we've done an investigation. Uh, our findings are classified, but sorry, we have to vet your organization because we think you might be a threat. So it's very, it is very, it's a very strange uh, um, mechanism to mm-hmm. want to investigate some, an organization that might actually be a threat. Usually invest, investigating a threatening organization would, would have a different process, not vetting that was sort of inevitable. The thing is, my sort of nasty instinct is that this is, in, this would be intended more to deal with the, the a ruling parties who they regard as their enemy or who have criticized them, uh, of which there are lots of us who have. It, I mean, surely, you know, there's no particular, I'm not aware of, of any particular, you know, scandals involving, you know, skullduggery on the part of NGOs or religious organizations. I mean, we know that that has happened, but that tends to be more sort of criminal in the ordinary sense. I would assume that, um, you know, where would journalists fall into this? I presume they'd want to have some oversight over them too. Well, you see, this is the, this is the thing. Um, it doesn't quite define, the bill doesn't define non-governmental organization. It doesn't define a religious institution. It doesn't define a church. It doesn't say what established means. Does that mean you're still going to register? Mm-hmm. Uh, or does that mean you have a prayer group in your home? Uh, that meets, you know, every every Sunday afternoon, every Thursday night, and sometimes it doesn't meet because some, you know, maybe the person leaving it's ill. You don't really know um, what it means, mm-hmm. and so it could they could potentially um, extend it to anything that is not government. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, are, you know, it could be private business. Um, at a push, and um, the the problem also is that. They've got very broad definitions for what a threat is, right? Mm. Um, they've got very broad definitions of what foreign yes, intelligence means, yeah. what intelligence gathering means, of what national security is, yeah. and threats to national security, etc. So within that spectrum, they can decide on, you know, whatever reason they think it's necessary to do the vetting and, you know, and step forward and do it. Mm, mm. No, I, I, um, I mean, uh, my view was uh, that, you know, there, there's certain things when you get confronted with legislation like this and you're opposing aspects of it, is that sometimes there are aspects that you, 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 you mustn't, you, they, shouldn't, they shouldn't be amended, they should be deleted. Other, other parts maybe one can recommend amendments or mm. changes or improvements, but there's some that are, so problematic that the only thing to say is, you know, is not to provide the opportunity for the government to create something a little lesser, but still have the vetting mm. process available to them. No, look, I mean, I think especially with 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 the, the NGO, um, you know, church issue. The bottom line is, if if one were to interpret the fact that okay, maybe they want to vet NGOs or churches who who deliver services to them. Not that mm. I really am aware of. Of churches delivering services. So let's say that's the technical, that's what they technically meant. Mm. The point is they wouldn't really, I think, uh, to my mind, they wouldn't really have had to include that in this bill Mm. because Mm. they already have in terms of the existing National Strategic Intelligence Act, which is the bit that this amends, they already have that power to say, okay, well, you're rendering us a service. This is sensitive stuff. We're going to vet you. Mm. So, Mm. Would it really be that reason to include non-profit organizations or churches explicitly, you know, in mm. this, this law? <laughs> and again, you know, yeah, we also, we also know that, um, if you look at 
And it's not just autocracies. It's not just China or Russia. It's mm-hmm. the United States. Is, mm-hmm. The United States as well. There's a huge governments do not like it when nonprofits, NGOs, uh, um, when they when they criticize them. And it's very easy for the powers that be to say, okay, now we're putting this yeah. these guys on on a watch list. And yeah. you have to keep on. You have to. You have to keep on pushing against it the mm. whole time. You can never let your guard down because mm. because those in power just tend to veer towards that. Mm. It mm. seems almost a, a natural uh, progression to yeah. want to want to stay in power and to do want to do what it takes and yeah. to have the best uh, laws and the best technology at your disposal to be able to protect your power. Right. So, in, yeah. within that context. You know, these inclusions, the inclusions of the word non-governmental organization, church, religious institutions, within that context, of, to me, this is very worrisome mm-hmm. because it is it's ultimately the NGOs and the churches that, and religious institutions, et cetera, that, that, that step in with the governments fail mm-hmm. uh, and also that show them up, show up their weaknesses. But then, of mm-hmm. course, there's also um, the power that, uh, certain civil society organizations, churches, etc., have over their members. Mm. So, so for them, it would be a dream come true for mm. our security, you know, our security agencies to say, okay, we don't want you to be influencing your members this way. Let's mm. destroy you or let's, let's curtail your operations. Right. Uh, so, so, in other words, basically saying that, well, America does it isn't a good reason for, for us to do it. Um, no. I do, um, no, but, nobody should be doing it. <laughs> briefly, what are the other flags that are raised by this draft for you? Well, primarily this is, and this is the other, um, this is the, the really, I would say, a major, major gap is that the, we have an inspector general of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a very important body because that's a bit like, um, the, um, independent police investigative directorate. Right. Uh, they stand outside, um, and they're not controlled by government or by anyone. And I mean, they're supposed to be independent so that they can, the public can go to them and say, look, I have this problem. Please help me. <laughs> and mm. what happens with, with the RGI, that's the short of, in, in, you know, Inspector General of Intelligence is, they don't really have, have the power to make binding recommendations. Mm-hmm. So in the past, our IGIs have made many recommendations uh, for improvement of the intelligence services, and they were simply ignored. So basically, the IGI is sort of a figurehead, you know, it's sort of a, um, it's a bit of like an avatar for true oversight. It's just sort of there because it's weird. It's window dressing. It's window dressing. Um, and the problem isn't necessarily with the people, um, at the IGI. It's a, it's, it's with the way our government or, you know, has set up the IGI. Mm-hmm. The problem, no matter how well intentioned the IGI is, I mean, um, our, our previous inspector general of intelligence really tried hard. And he, um, he, he really had to work in very adverse circumstances to try and, you know, uh, at least exert some sort of control or, you know, influence over the agency. But he didn't get much done. Uh, there are two reasons why it is made difficult 
for the IGI. The one being the, obviously the recommendations not being binding, but the second being that that office is funded by the state security agency. Mm. So mm. you get funding from mm. the people who are, who you're supposed looking to be at. looking at and watching mm. and, and, and chastising. Mm. Of course, they're going to underfund you. Mm. Um, and secondly, uh, that the IGI also needs security clearance. Mm. <laughs> and the security clearance, which is done through the vetting, it can only be done by the state security agency. Security agency, right. Which means right. that the agency can, the agency can revoke that, mm. uh, that, uh, um, clearance if it wishes so. And that indeed did happen. Uh, Dr. Dintwe was investigating Mr. Arthur Fraser, uh, when Arthur Fraser was the director general of the SSA. And what Mr. Fraser did was to simply withdraw his security clearance. Mm-hmm. Now, he eventually got the security clearance back after, after um, much trouble, but that is the type of thing that happens. Mm. Um, and at the moment, the way things stand, it cannot continue that way. The IGI needs independent funding that's independent. Mm. Um, and the vetting structures within the SSA, I'm not sure how exactly that needs to be fixed, um, but one needs some sort of uh, um, one needs some sort of change, one sort of ch- some sort of checks and balances in terms of vetting powers, and who decides mm. um, on who gets clearance and not. Mm. That structure needs to be strengthened so that you can't cheat it. Mm. You can't, you know, just unilaterally wangle your way past the process. And we know that was an issue during during President, uh, former President Jacob Zuma's tenure. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so that's yeah. a major, major thing that needs to change. Um, Another major thing that needs to change is our our Joint Standing Committee on Intelligence. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they they also struggle. Like I said earlier, they they couldn't commence this year because the vetting hadn't been done. Mm-hmm. I mean, but they also don't quite have uh, access to the papers and the documents that they need. And mm-hmm. again, you know, to do the oversight. And then finally, they don't have any clout. Mm. Once again, it's just it's just recommendations. Mm. And one of the worst things is that they meet, they always meet behind closed doors. I don't think there's ever been uh, a joint standing committee of intelligence meeting where these where the intelligence services come into a report where the public has been allowed. Mm. So really, mm. it it just happens inside, you know, this this mm. opaque structure that mm. ultimately insulates the intelligence services. From any meaningful oversight. Yeah. Well, the, the basically what, what, uh, is saying is sort of with a, with a bit of a tinkering, business as usual, which, uh, is very much our experience, uh, particularly as you say, since, uh, Jacob Zuma became president. And I think he preceded it and showed which way he was going when he had the, uh, scorpions closed down. Heidi, mm. um, we've hit our more than our time and I'd like to thank you very much for giving us such a, comprehensive indication of an area that we probably don't think about but that could be deleterious for the for society as a whole and for uh, and for civil society specifically not to mention the, relig- the religious sector so thanks once again and very much for coming on and joining us no problem it's an absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me